Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short, often innovative video games. The type of games that you can complete on a weekend or maybe a uh, one evening or maybe longer, depending on how good you are at puzzles. <laughs> My name is Nate, and I'm joined this week by Laura Nash. Hello. And Reagan Kelly. Hi, everybody. And today we're going to be talking about goats. Goats. <laughs> and this is not an episode about Goat Simulator, if anyone is curious. I don't think we could talk for more than five minutes about Goat Simulator. You know, I still haven't played Goat Simulator, and I uh, really want to, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But it's strange. We've been in the middle of a goat renaissance in, uh, yeah. in indie games. A goat-assance. The only time I have played a Goat Simulator was when it was briefly an MMO. And it was hilarious. And I think it converted back, or I don't know. When I, whenever I look at my Steam library, it doesn't look like it's an M- MMO anymore. So I don't know if that was just like a weird weekend or... I seem to think or, you remember you accidentally launching it during a recording session. Yeah, and it got stuck. And it was, I had, <laughs> what was that? It was, uh, it was Goat Simulator and like FTL looped at the same time. And I had FTL music over top goat noises. I don't know. That was a weird, it was a weird time. Weird time in your life. And goats are just inherently weird and interesting and funny. And I think that's why Escape Goat, the first one, th- today we're talking about Escape Goat 2 from Magical <laughs> Bean Time. Um, but the very first Escape Goat was a little bit of a sleeper hit. It came out in 2011. Uh, and uh, it was a sort of pixel art style, maybe 16-bit looking uh, puzzle platformer um, from Magical Bean Time. And it was only like five bucks. And so I think because of that low price point and the, you know, the fact that it had a goat in it, the fact hmm. that the title was a pun, it became this sort of sleeper hit. But I think the real reason that people latched onto it was that it wasn't just this jokey title uh, and, you know, amusing premise of a, a goat imprisoned for sorcery and trying to escape from a magical tower. Like goats do. Like goats do. Uh, and save his brethren, the sheep. Uh it was also a really good puzzle platformer in a very classic style. Um, it, it has a feel of a sort of a puzzle platformer from the 90s or, you know, it, it feels like it might be a uh, uh, a puzzle platformer from an earlier era. It's really classic. It's not doing anything incredibly flashy, but it's a really well-designed game with really clever, simple really straightforward but also really challenging and and well-designed puzzles and a lot of them i mean how many puzzles are in this game well the sec the, that was the that was one of the complaints about the first game i mean we're a show that loves short games but the first game was had only 50 levels in it and it was you could easily complete it 100 percent in under two hours yeah, but the nice thing about that game is they did include a custom level builder, so you could people started building their own levels. And as the second game came out, they added a lot more abilities. Uh, they expanded the game, added high definition graphics, and um, it got a lot more attention because um, it started off as part of the PAX 10. Uh, Penny Arcade Expo has an indie game showcase where they pick ten games they're really excited about, and the developer um, apparently went to a panel was told that the number one criteria that kept people out of the PAX 10 was having a terrible first 15 minutes. People always got stuck. There was something that, um, you know, stumbling block. He play tested the hell out of the first 15 minutes and got in the PAX 10. And hmm. that got him noticed by Double Fine, who then, um, people who made Broken Age and Grim Fandango, our last episode. And um, mm-hmm. as a result, 
he's got kind of a nice publishing push. So Escapegoat 2, although um, you know, it's the first time I've ever played the series, is the one most people are familiar with. Yeah, it's uh, it's in a sense kind of an HD remake of the first game with a lot of expansion. Um, it's got very similar puzzle design and mechanics. You know, your goat has mostly the same abilities, although there's some new items and other uh, things that are going to be part of the levels. And um, it's still a really cheap, simple, straightforward puzzle game that if you're in the mood for a puzzle platformer, um, this is a puzzle platformer of the like... Sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? Polish? Yeah, but it's like Caliber? a... It's the... No, it's like a perfect puzzle platformer, like, um, geez, what's the... Platonic ideal? That is actually <laughs> exactly what I was looking for. You Thank were looking you. for the phrase platonic ideal. I was looking ideal. for the phrase platonic <laughs> ideal. I'm so good at You this. are so good. This is oh. the platonic ideal of puzzle platformers. It's a... Um, it's, it's, it's a puzzle platformer, like... If you had to, if I had to invent <laughs> a puzzle is. platformer in my brain, it would be a scapegoat too. Although it probably wouldn't feature a goat. Let's be honest, it would feature a goat. I mean, this goat is purple. This goat has green horns. And he's got a friend who's a little mouse. Yeah, a fun little mouse. So we can spend a second talking about the story of the game. So this is where we're going to put our spoiler break. A single second. (laughs) It's a goat you're escaping. Yeah, I had no idea. I had assumed part of it was callbacks to the first game. Not really. I don't know. There's a fair, not a lot of text, but there's certainly text in this game. And I had no idea what any of it was <laughs> referring to. Sometimes it's a little joke. Sometimes it's like really ominous, like don't go forward. Everything is dead. Sometimes it's like, I wish I could sleep longer. And it, it's all disjointed. And it's funny and kind of weird. And it works, I guess. But it's not really what the game is focused yeah, on. Yeah, you're escaping from a tower. And uh, the tower is full of puzzle levels. In each section of the puzzles, like not every level, but every few levels, there's a sheep that you can, I don't know, help escape. You release the soul of the sheep. Yes, you find the soul orbs, the 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 soul orbs of the sheep, and then you uh, you Which release those. The sheep those. are still alive. Let's yeah, be, that is a little they're confusing. They're asleep. They're asleep, and you, you or are they ghosts? Them up. Are they ghosts? I don't no, think they're ghosts. No, because there are ghosts. also ghosts in this game. Oh <laughs> yeah, God, you're right. There's there are, also ghosts. <laughs> it's very clear when there are ghosts. There's a ghost mouse that's kind of seems to be almost like the like the butler of the of the tower. There's uh, a ghost pig that. I don't know. He's just being a ghost yeah, pig telling you, you things. Clearly, when the goat walks over a pile of bones, then the ghost spirit of that animal comes and tells you the next ominous plot point that doesn't matter. There's no plot in this game at all. It's no. so weird in that way, actually. Like, I don't think I've played a game this purely about puzzles in a long, long time. But There's they, cool names of things like <laughs> you're ascending the spine of the stronghold, which I think is a great name for the center column of a map. Yeah, <laughs> yep. that's the, really what it is. What is it? The lair of the necromouser, mm. which is a, a fun little part. Like, yeah, it, the it's, temple of adoration. We're kind of making fun of it, but it's definitely got a lot of character. Mm-hmm. It's just what those characters mean, are doing, or why they exist. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really Someone matter. Thought it would be fun, and it is. Yeah, so it is fun. Don't think past it. 
so story-wise, pretty thin. Um, and frankly, art-wise and music-wise, also kind of thin. And this isn't me kind of giving the game a hard time, but like this game was all about the puzzle design. And in a lot of ways, I think that it's art and even it's music along with its story are kind of afterthoughts. They're there to, they're, they're serviceable, they're fine. Um, you know, the art is basically looks sort of like an HD remake of the first game and it looks good. What do you guys yeah, think? I thought the music is was better than you're giving it credit for. I will say by, you know, they did a good job of mixing it up with each kind of zone mm-hmm. that you went into. That's true. Um, by the end of the zone, I had kind of stopped recognizing it, but as each zone kind of started, I would say, oh, this is kind of nice, or this is a good little little change. It was something that I noticed. The art design, I mean, you're right. It's it's nice. The colors are nice. Um, I, I kind of kept getting, like, I guess the closest game I can think of that we've done already um, is, like, a higher quality, higher pixel density of, like, Towerfall. Like, mm-hmm. I kept getting a Towerfall vibe from it. And maybe it's just because there's towers involved, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I don't think so. It's that same kind of like bold colors. Yeah, and I think the art design, this game would be fun if it was blocks and, you know, red squares, blue squares. And I yeah. think they've added just a little bit of personality to go with the random, you know, little bit of weird random story, a little bit of weird random art. You know, having, you know, an idle animation where the goat stares at you for a while if you're <laughs> stuck is fun it's not yeah, he like kind of looks out of the screen at you like what are you doing stupid why are you waiting it's not like machinarium where they you pause for a minute and the robot dreams an extensive cutscene on his own that's not this game what you're paying attention to is the level and that's great yeah the game works quick and i know we're going to talk a little bit about mechanics as we move on but it's all kind of in service like the art design is nice but you're moving so fast from level to level, it would be almost a waste for them to to really spend a lot of time, like really getting into the design. Because I mean, if you know what you're doing, a puzzle can be completed in what probably 15 seconds. Yeah, and a lot then of in them. Re- and then in reality, you're probably spending one to five minutes playing each puzzle, maybe more if you really get stuck. But there were plenty where I entered the zone, the puzzle, and was like okay, I kind of know what I'm doing here and would just go right through it. Maybe a few hiccups because the controls are quick. Yeah. And I think this, everything is very clear. You know it's ice, you know it's a wood block, you know it's a fireball. Um, It's never, the art is never detrimental. Yeah. It's very clear and straightforward and it knows that get out of the way. Yeah, you know, I'd say actually design and art wise, the thing that I would compare it most to would actually be things like board games where, mm. you know, you're you're looking at a tile and it's like, well, this is a wood tile or this is a, you know, this is a grain chip or whatever. Like everything looks exactly like what it's supposed to look like. It's all kind of just blocks. And at some point, you know, it's like the matrix. I don't even see the code anymore. Well, I don't see the goat. I don't see the walls. <laughs> I just see puzzle elements, you know? Yeah. The game is definitely designed on a grid fashion. Yeah. So it's really just, it's enough art to give it a theme, but it's a theme that's there in service of puzzles. It's not there to be immersive. And it works, but I would say that it's probably, if you're going into this expecting a, uh, you know, a world of exciting goat art, I think, you know, maybe, maybe not. And in this game, the screen is a single room you must escape. There is no going right or left in a puzzle. You are 
what you see on your screen is your level. And the other nice thing about that restriction is that it gives you a chance to have some Rube Goldberg-y obstacle course type elements. You know, it, it's very contained. And I think that that helps with the puzzle platformer sense because you know you have all the tools on your screen if you can just do them in the right order, pick up the right pieces, flip the right switches. Yeah, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that your goat can die in a lot of different ways. Your goat will die. Your, yeah, it's not can die. <laughs> not you can, will die. Will. And you'll probably die a lot. And um, it pretty much you die and it resets almost immediately. It goes dead and then you start back at the beginning of the puzzle and there's a lot of puzzles that are reliant upon timing doing the right order in the right time or doing you know running along this like uh barrel that's on fire and getting out of the way of it just in time but there's also a lot of puzzles that you have your time to think about it and try different things and i like the pacing of it where i like i generally like puzzle games that allow me to take my time and figure it out and try different things and not necessarily punish me for trying a lot of different things. And I think this game kind of hits the perfect middle ground where you get to try a lot of things and you're probably going to die a lot, but it resets so fast that other than some of the puzzles where it really is an extended Rube Goldberg machine and dying at the very end of it can be incredibly frustrating. Other than that, I, I thought they handled that element really well. Starting over, starting over, starting over. It's not quite like VVV, VVV, where once you die, you start immediately back. But that was the closest game I could think of that kind of compared to it, where you can just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying until I you mean, get it. it's got an incredible feedback system. It, you know, um, if you, I wrote die, experiment, die in the outline because you can throw something at the wall, see how it changes the environment, see how it changes the level, and have a good hypothesis to test on the next time you go through. This mm -hmm. game has an exceptional flow to it, the way that you learn an element, master it, get a variation, and move through. And it's true both in the individual levels. You get better through a single stage, but also through the world, where you might have four or five rooms on a, you know, experiment experimenting with a single mechanic, both of those are very well calibrated. He probably play tested every level a bazillion times to get this level. There are a few times where I didn't understand why I won, but that was very few and far between. I feel like that's something I get a lot on puzzle platformers. Well, accidentally we'll stumble upon the answer and maybe not know how I got there. Here I felt very deliberately. I knew why I succeeded. So we've been praising the heck out of the balance and the real, you know, the smart puzzles in this game. But let's talk a little bit about how those puzzles actually work. Um, so it's a puzzle platformer that really doesn't rely on great platforming skill. And we were talking about there's, there's not a lot of great precision required most of the time. This is not Super Meat Boy. Yeah, this is not Super Meat Boy at all. This is not even Mario. We have, uh, we have a character, our goat, with a number of really like incredible powers. You know, you have a you have a powerful character for a goat. For a it's goat, a po po powerful <laughs> skills for a goat. Well, you I don't mean, really know how powerful the average goat is, do you? Uh, no, but I have a general idea. Well, I mean, I've, I think I've seen... goats can double jump. 
that, in life. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one can just double jump higher than normal goats, and I've <laughs> seen at least one goat swap spaces with a mouse magically. You're better at goats yeah. than me. Yeah. So our goat um, has a double jump, obviously, and honestly. Any game that gives you a double jump immediately has just made platforming in general a lot easier. But he also, in addition to the double jump, has a dash move, kind of like the towerfall dash move or any other, you know, you hit a shoulder button on a controller or or something on your keyboard and, and you do a mid-air dash in whatever direction you were previously moving in. Uh, it's a ram, okay? He clearly <laughs> puts his head down and... and Is that a we'll, pun? Well... No, it's a fact. Yeah, it's both. I guess, it's both. I, guess I mean, it's... this game is called Escape Goat. Of course, it's a pun. Okay. Yeah. And so your ram move is one of your one of your tool set, one of your verbs, and then you've also got a mouse companion from the very beginning of the game uh, that you can. Well, actually, I guess from the first or second level, but um, your mouse companion can do a number of things too. So you can set down the mouse, and it will walk along the floor or walls because the mouse can fl- uh, wall walk and ceiling walk. Uh, in whatever direction uh, until it reaches an obstacle it can't walk on and then it'll walk back uh, and it can depress buttons and so on. Or you can set the mouse down on switches and it'll just sit there and wait. And then of course, there's some additional options that the mouse can do. Like you can toss the mouse into the air um, or you can collect magic hats for the mouse that give the mouse new abilities. So you're really, I'd say, almost overpowered from the very beginning. And it's not about unlocking new abilities. You get almost all these abilities from the very start of the game. So it's really just about taking what you have, these incredible set of skills that your goat possesses, and applying them to these puzzles. There's a couple aha moments throughout there. Um, You know, the moment you realize you can jump, double jump, and then throw your mouse straight up to maybe mm-hmm. hit a button that's really high up in the ceiling. That one kind of tricked me for a little for a bit. I think that most of the puzzles it kind of evolved like that. There was almost always some little trick, some little thing that you had to figure out just the right way to do it to solve it. It would be like you could see your, what you needed to do. I need to press this button. Okay. When I press this button, it's going to drop this key. Once I collect all the keys, it'll open the door how do I press this button? And it'd mm-hmm. be something silly like that. Like I'd try a million different things. And finally, oh my God, I did not think about double jumping and then throwing my mouse straight up. Just something as simple as that. But it takes you like experimenting and figuring out what your goat and mouse combo is truly capable of. And what I think makes this game so special is that if they gate the answer to the previous puzzle you know, a level down the line, two levels down the line, that's just going to be baked into the early stage of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you've gotten this, move on. And it's something that in Guacamelee or something else that is platformy but more sandbox, where, you know, it's a little more the Metroidvania version. You don't get all the powers at once. You are going to be visiting stages a lot. You might not know what tools will get you there. Escape Goat 2, you know exactly, you know, if I need this in this room, it's here. They also did a good job, like, there were two different times that I thought I solved the puzzle in a way that the that wasn't necessarily intended. And I do mm-hmm. think that that's possible. I think that there's multiple ways you can go about doing I always think that's kind of a more rewarding way to solve puzzles if you get that option. Well, but here's the reason I bring this up, and I agree. I, I, I agree. And I thought it was a really obscure way to solve a puzzle. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to look up a guide 
after having completed it and see what people recommend just to see if I really did uh, figure out this really weird way to solve this puzzle. Because to me, it felt weird. And I found a video and it was literally exactly the way I did the puzzle. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, nice job, developer. You know, making... Well, you felt really smart there, though, didn't I you? I did. And that's that's my point. I felt so it was it felt so weird that I was like, there's no way that that's the way you're supposed to do it. And then I went back and yep. At least that's the way the per- the one video I watched. That's also how they figured it out. Yeah, the game constantly made me feel smart like that. You know, solving each one of these puzzles was really rewarding. None of them were overpoweringly hard, but also none of them felt like throwaways. Um, and they really progressed really well too. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about how the the levels are laid out. There's a, a level map, and you're progressing upwards through the tower, but branching off from this central, you know, spine of the tower. Uh, are these little snaky hallways. And each of those hallways is a series of puzzle rooms. And all those puzzle rooms are usually kind of united by some kind of mechanic or theme, something that you have to learn how to do. And you're learning the whole way through. It never lets you just say, oh, okay, this is another one like the previous one, but a little different layout. Every single puzzle in the hundred or some odd puzzles that were in this game did something that no other puzzle in the game had done. And one of the nicest extras here is that you can choose to do optional puzzles. You can choose to go off the required path. And when you do, the puzzles are harder. Um, The more effort you have to undergo to unlock that puzzle, the harder it is. You know, puzzles that are optional side quests, harder than the main road. If you find a secret room, which I found one of... I know there's more. I know there's a lot more, but I found a secret room. That room is quite hard. Hmm. So I'm sure that the deeper in you go and for the really hardcore gamer, you're going to get a lot of puzzles that you've never seen. Yeah. You would never see if you were just going through a casual run. Yeah. I just played through at my standard pace, not really seeking secrets over much. And uh, it took me about four hours to complete the game. But that's at about 50% completion. You can escape the tower and probably only have filled in about 50% of the map. But if you really spend the time to go explore more, you'll find a lot more puzzles. And the best uh, the best reward for exploration in any game is more game. You know, the the more you explore, the more you look for new stuff to do, the more you're going to find to do. And it really rewards the player that wants to solve those harder puzzles. Yeah, I initially set out to complete every puzzle that went that came my way. So as I would unlock more rooms, you know, often you have an opportunity to go up to to, you know, move into one phase of puzzles or one zone of puzzles or go left and do that zone of puzzles. I would try to do both zones. And as I neared the top of the tower uh, and as we were nearing recording, I was like, okay, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just going to, uh, you know, go straight up. And I felt like I had completed a lot of the game. Like I had, if you think of it like as a bucket, you know, and you're filling it up, with puzzles being completed, I, I thought that I was near the top of it and I finished it and I'd played about five hours and 15 minutes and I was only at 70%. So there's clearly more secret rooms and things like that, that I had not found at all. And I spent a lot of time trying to complete a, as much of it as I could.
I'm curious what you guys' um, favorite mouse superpower is, because the cool thing in here is that you as the goat don't have any of the superpowers. They almost all go to your mouse companion. So if you pick up a magic element, the mouse wears the magic hat, the mouse has the hammer, the mouse gets the cape. You just have your double jump and dash, which is pretty powerful. But I'm curious, what is your favorite mouse companion power up? No question, it was the the one that made a ton of mice. <laughs> I mean, I forget what it was called. The spawn totem thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it called. It that, in was the the game. that was oh, the necromouser. That was oh right. That was yeah. The so um, those puzzles were always a lot of fun because you ended up with the chaos of having tons and tons of mice on screen. Um, I, I loved those levels. Those were a great part of the game. Well, one of the best moments in that zone too is there's the. I believe it's the magic hat that lets you switch spots with the mouse. Oh, yeah. And you also, normally you only have one mouse, and they use that really well, uh, kind of zipping around the level. And also, when you you don't just like teleport from one to the other instantly, you actually create a straight line on the level between the two, and you kind of will destroy enemies or boxes or anything that's destructible in between you. And you'll actually use that to battle, or not battle, but you'll use it to clear ways and kill enemies and things like that. But what was cool and it was unexpected to me is they gave me that magic hat when I had control of five of the mice. And there was a really interesting puzzle where you had to lay out by having them sit down. Instead of having the mouse run, you had to sit them in the exact right spots so that you could warp between all five of the mice perfectly. In just the right order, yeah. In just mm -hmm. the right order and complete the puzzle that way. And I, I thought that was a really good use of multiple uh you know tools most of them were like okay this level you have the cape now how to use the cape properly this level you have just the hat how to use the hat properly this one was you have the hat and you have five mice good luck and you have to make sure that the mice are wearing you have to get the hat before you get the mice so the mice are wearing the hat when you duplicate them. Because <laughs> if you do it in the wrong order, then you have all these mice all over the place and only one of them wears a hat and you're like, you're just yeah. screwed. There's another you know, major element of the game that we haven't hit yet is like tricking enemies. Basically, so there's there's one the, there's several different types of things that can kill you, but there's really one kind of bad guy. Oh, the little reapers that shoot. Yeah, fireballs. they basically look like grim reapers, little skeleton grim reapers, and they have a scythe and if they if you are on the same plane as them even if there's something in between you blocks or whatever they will just continually shoot a fireball at you and there's a lot of stuff in the game that is combustible and so a lot of the the, the game or many of the puzzles will be jumping in front of the the guy with the scythe so that he'll shoot a fireball but then getting out of the way of the fireball so that it'll hit a, a barrel that will explode and send a second fireball up to burn a uh like a what's the word I'm looking for like a the the wood tile you know like mm -hmm. bo wood boxes which will drop another barrel and you create these crazy things all starting from like tricking these bad guys what i liked about it is you know a lot of times you enter a level and there's bad guys and you're like okay how do I kill the bad guys so I can clear the zone and be free to solve the puzzle? Well, a lot of times killing the bad guys, you have to start over because you need those bad guys alive to trigger the certain things. Sometimes you're tricking bad guys into stepping on buttons for you. Yeah. 
it's really just about knowing what all of the enemy behavior is. And in once you kind of understand exactly what they're going to do at all times, then really they're just another element of the puzzles. Yeah, and this game is really about paying attention to your environment, the mechanic, so that you can tee up the chain reactions properly. And I think it's super fun, especially when you start getting towards the end levels that combine a lot of different elements together, um, to see that ripple effect when you... When you nail a reaction properly, it's extremely satisfying. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of a good puzzle platformer. It's just complex enough that you can screw it up easily. And when you get it right, you feel like you are great at games and smart. Yeah, that's what I love about puzzle platformers. <laughs> I am a smart person. I am a good person. Very, uh, very affirming games. I mean, some of us had a hard week this week, and I think this game was zen. I got to very, I got to focus on something and be good at it, and it felt great. Yeah, it does feel good to be good at this game. Like it makes you feel smart, and it's not an uber challenging game. And it never frustrated me. Even when I couldn't figure something out, I would just go try a different level, and I'd feel smart about something else. It's it's a zen experience. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, and giving the options to stop a puzzle and go to another one, but still leaving it optional, I think is such a nice move in puzzle games. Like we talked a lot about that with the swapper where you'd get stuck on a puzzle that was particularly difficult, and you would think, you know what? There's a lot of puzzles I have to finish. Maybe I'm just going to skip this one. This one's too frustrating right now. I've spent 10 minutes you know, dying. I'm just going to move on. And then at the end of the swapper, it turned out you actually did have to complete every single puzzle to move forward. And they never told you. Ugh. Uh, um, this game, I thought it was pretty obvious that I wasn't going to need to do everything. And, you know, like some of the some of the text from the ghosts and stuff, while as obscure and abstract as it was, every once in a while they would say something like, hey, how many of your sheep friends are you going to get before you leave? You know, and it was like, OK, so now I know I don't actually have to collect all of my sheep souls in order to leave the <laughs> tower. Um Sheep so souls. important to collect those sheep souls. Yeah, you gotta get those sheep souls. You know, I honestly would have thought of sheep and goats as actual uh, na- natural enemies. I that's me too. I, the the choice of sheep was strange to me. I thought it would just be more goat souls. Really drive home the goat th- the goat thing. Well, I don't know. I suppose he's shepherding his flock, that sort of thing. Dude, wait. It's the goat. The goat is shepherding a flock of of sheep. Yeah, of sheep. Of sheep souls. Sure, and a mouse. Also a mouse. I think this game lends itself to headcanon. I think you could just dream up (laughs) this entire backstory of like maybe the goat stole all of these sheep souls and then had to go get them back. I don't know. You can make up whatever you want. I'm I'm shipping the goat with the sheep in my head. Oh, not the goat and the mouse? Because those are clearly meant for each other. No, they're bros. You guys, you're missing. It was the pig ghost. And the and the mouse wearing oh, the magic okay. hat. Okay, was was where the relationship was. Yeah, that happened off screen. But you're right. The it was yeah. smoldering romance. You could tell. You could tell the way that pig floated there after you ran through its corpse. I mean, yeah. all of that wall climbing is just you know latent desire. Yeah, that's a sexy mouse. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. Uh, I ship myself with the mouse. Let's be all right. I was a little bummed that they didn't give the mouse more personality, actually. And the goat didn't get a whole lot, but frankly, he didn't need it. He's a goat. Goats are already awesome. But I kinda wish the mouse had, you know, like a name. Uh go watch Fievel Goes West. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. I think we're running out of things to talk about with the goat game. <laughs> 
say one quick thing. If you really have sucked at a level, I, this didn't happen to me, I promise, but I did look it up. You can get a rage quit option. That if you see the death too many times on a single level, instead of dead, it will pop up rage quit question mark. And it will ask you if you'd like to just, you know, and the screen turns red and you go back to the map. Oh, really? I've never, I didn't see that. I didn't see it, but I, I, I heard either. about that. And apparently, like, it's an option, which I think is just an extra level of nice addition. And on that note, I, I have only one tiny gripe with this game. It's, it's minuscule, but it was just weird to me. It, if you want to quit the game, you can't quit from the level select screen. You actually had to be, at least I couldn't find a way, you had to start a puzzle and then quit the game from that puzzle. I read a little bit about the, they had some issues and with the development and they were finessing the map screen. So that might've been one of the reasons. That's weird. I ran into some trouble with the saving. Um, now this is a pretty minor issue. I was running the PS4 version of the game and uh, with the PS4 at any time you can hit the PlayStation button and it kicks you to the like, you know, home screen or you can put the console to sleep uh, or, or shut it off. I, I found that if I didn't exit to the title screen of the game or at least to the map before closing the game, it didn't save my progress back to the last time I had been on the map screen. So um, I lost a little bit of progress. It wasn't a big deal because once you know the solutions to the puzzles, it's really quick to go back through, but it was a little frustrating. Did you guys play, uh, both of you play with a controller? I did, yes. I played um, half and half. Because it actually, um, you know, I think a controller for most games, especially puzzle platformers is recommended, but it actually says right when you turn on the game, at least I played on my computer, it says, mm -hmm. Please plug in your controller. A controller is recommended. But the situation that I started playing the game, I didn't have my controller with me. And so I, it's a puzzle platformer. I'm pretty good at these games uh, as far as keyboard controls go. I think I'll be fine. And for the most part, I was. I will say, though, so the way they do it is they have, um, you know, you're using the normal uh, directional pad. And then, like, Z is jump. X is ram. C is drop up your mouse. And then V is, like, whatever your hat power is and I did find myself like my biggest cause of frustration in this game was purely self-inflicted where I would mean to hit uh, you know ram and said I would drop my mouse and then both me and the mouse would plummet to our death or <laughs> I would like the most frustrating one is there's often times with the magic hat where you have to set up your mouse on one corner of the screen, go all the way to the other side of the map, oftentimes through perilous jumps and, and, you know, and kind of perfect timing. And then you would hit V to switch back and forth. Well, I would get all the way up there and try to hit V and I'd be trying to go too fast. And I hit C and just warp my mouse all the way back over to me. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was like, okay, I think I know why they recommended a controller and it's just because I fat finger everything. And it's cause those, those buttons are all so close to each other on your keyboard. I'm trying to use four buttons, like pinky <laughs> ring finger, pointer, middle finger, like all at the same time. And when I do keyboard, the first thing I do is I remap, even if I haven't played the game, I just guess based on what they are. So I remap to left and right shift space, um, R for restarting, you know, tab, the only time that I messed myself up um, playing keyboard was purely a mental model mistake that I would mean to hit right shift and I would hit R. <laughs> I'd kill myself. Yeah. I kept killing myself. And so eventually I just re 
just because I was thinking right and hit R. So I eventually just remapped that button and life was great. <laughs> and there key, is there is no – yeah, that makes, <laughs> that makes sense. sense. <laughs> there is no lag between hitting R and dead. No, just, you're just dead instantly. And <laughs> I kept dead. trying to like throw my mouse in the air and killing myself. <laughs> eventually I just turned it to <laughs> yeah. the delete key. It's not that hard. This is not guacamole. No. No. I did not have that one, but – I was just imagining, like, if someone was watching me on Twitch or something like that, like, okay, that was a really simple jump. Why did he ram himself right into that laser beam? It would be <laughs> like really stupid stuff. Like, there's a there's a fireball in front of me, and I have to jump over it. Oh, he dropped his mouse. Okay, now they're both dead. <laughs> over if and over. If someone was watching me, they'd be like, "Why did you keep committing suicide when you're about to finish the level?" <laughs> you just don't want it to end. Yeah. Do you guys know how many times uh, you died in the in the game? No, I, I really should have made a note of that number. It was definitely like a lot. So again, I, I you know I managed to complete as far as like the percentage goes at the end of the game a little bit more than I know than you did, Reagan, um, just because of the way we both went about it. But I can tell you that I died uh, three hundred and fifty nine times. Wow. I think that a lot of those were self-inflicted from those that previous uh, kind of thing. I, I would say at least a hundred of them. Yeah, were me. I think my number button. was between a hundred and two hundred. Like it was like yeah. hundred and eighty or something like now, that. I feel again, like mine was closer to Nate, but again, I was perpetually killing myself accidentally. And, and I went. You completed fifty percent of the game. Oh no, I, you, I got a little farther. I completed fifty percent of the game by the time I escaped the tower. But then I went back and played a fair amount. Okay. More. Did you I, see your deaths after after going? Because I I got into one of the, some of those ones that I think would be considered the ones that are really hard, where de- it's either completion or death. There's yeah. certainly a lot of puzzles where you can mess up, but it doesn't mean you die. You just kind of restart the Rube Goldberg or whatever. Yeah. Um. The deeper you get, it's like you're just going to be dying a lot until you nail it. Yeah, it really requires like a perfect run for it to actually complete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, and then, trapped somewhere. Spoiler alert, uh, when you beat the game, <laughs> you and the mouse just sit and watch the castle collapse together. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it's really nice looking too. It actually, it pulls back and like the colors are all nice and the, the tower just starts shaking and crumbles into the ground. And it's like, well, okay, I didn't know it was tr- crumbling also. <laughs> Maybe I would have hurried a little bit. <laughs> yeah, at no point did I know the tower was collapsing. There is one bizarre part of the game that I don't think it's worth spoiler breaking for, but there is some one odd room that I was like, what is, what is happening? Why is this room exist? And then I just decided like, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't think it's worth spoiler breaking for. I, there are no, th- none, none of this game means anything. There's no spoiler. <laughs> I just said you like, Oh no, now you know the castle collapses at the end. I oh, didn't no. know for sure that we were in a castle. Yeah, that's it guys. <laughs> One thing that uh, the game does a great job of is um, wait, wait, don't leave me these, hanging. Yeah. What was the what's the weird room? thing that you were? Yeah, what's the where weird you room? just like run around and hit all the switches, and then it's like that didn't do anything at the end I of the game. Know. I never reached that room. I don't know what room you're talking about. Okay, well, I stumbled <laughs> upon a room where you hit a bunch of switches in order, and then like. I didn't know what to do next, so I just left. I was like, I literally hit everything in this room. Nothing happened, and the door's been open since the beginning. Oh, that maybe that was probably trying to unlock a a secret secret. room. Yeah, and I just ran around. I hit every switch. 
and everything in the room aligned itself into nice pretty blocks and then I just left the way I came. <laughs> My guess is there's a perfect order to unlock a secret. There's a perfect a order, I'm sure. Yeah. There was a like a little scroll that said like embrace your imperfections and I was like um <laughs> Am Shut I up, to mouse. Do this in just the right order that things can't put themselves. In a, yeah. I don't know. Shut up, I don't know ghost pig. You're room. imperfect. I spent five minutes hitting switches. Nothing happened, and I left. Well, that was how I felt about a lot of the puzzles in this. You know, sometimes <laughs> you go into a room, you spend a long time fooling around with the puzzles, and then you leave, and you never go back to it. And it allows that. You can leave if you don't like this particular well, no, puzzle. No, no, no. I didn't access the map. I walked out the door I came into, and it was the only puzzle that there was. I could still go through the door I came into. Hey, you solved it. That's the puzzle. You go in the room, and you'd get tricked until you finally realize that the solution was right there all try. along. Yep. The solution was just a Listen, Laura, try. Em- embrace your imperfections. Neither of okay. you guys found this room. I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe. There's like a hundred-something levels. <laughs> wrap up i want to kind of just place this in the in the pantheon of puzzle platformers you know indie games the the indie gaming revolution you know if you will has produced a lot of puzzle platformers in the last few years and then the genre has a long history as well do you guys think that this stands up as a great puzzle platformer that people should play or is there like where, where does this stand in in the canon of puzzle platformers I think it's rare to find something that the level designs are as polished and well paced that the the slow drip of new knowledge and new tutorial skills. I mean, so many puzzle platformers give you tutorials mm-hmm. because they have to. This one, other than a few exclamation point markers that told you, you know, press tab to do something, it gave you no instructions. And I think for that reason, this one stands out. It's not revolutionary, but it's very well done. Yeah, I would almost recommend sitting down to play this game from start to finish in a short amount of time is probably actually not the ideal way to play it. I almost would like to, like I'm looking forward to from time to time, just going back and finding, you know, it turns out I was just looking at my stat screen. I rescued 13 of 16 sheep souls. So there are three sheep souls still waiting for me to save. They just died in that tower. Well, they did collapse. I'm assuming I can (laughs) zip through the rubble, but I guess my point being is that I do recommend playing this game, but I almost recommend just playing it from time to time. Do a zone of levels and play whatever else you're playing and go on and play some more scapegoat and don't necessarily try to grind through the, because there's a lot of them and they're quick and you're going to die a lot. And I won't say I ever got frustrated, but there were times where I was like, okay, I think I'm done maneuvering this little goat right now. And I would just stop playing. And It'd be great to come back and maybe get a fresh take on a puzzle or something like that. Yeah, I think I played this game over... I completed the game after about four hours. I think altogether I spent about six hours playing it. And I played that over the course of at least four or five sessions. And it really does play well that way. I'd say as far as the canon of puzzle platformers are concerned, I don't think this is necessarily a 
you know, standout genius genre changing game. But what it is, is a really great example of a standard, simple, but really well, well done puzzle platformer. And uh, if you like puzzle platformers, this is a good game to play because it's such a competent and, and really smart one. If you don't know if you like puzzle platformers, this would be a wonderful introduction to the genre because it's 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 so zen, like Laura was saying. It's low stress. There's you know it doesn't have, make a lot of demands in terms of skill. It just makes demands in terms of thinking uh, creatively and you know uh, really observing the the puzzles and the way that things move and and finding solutions creatively. Yeah, we like to give praise to developers who spend time with a game, right? Make sure. Uh, you know, I think of we keep bringing back up Towerfall, or at least I do. I love Towerfall, but <laughs> very I, good. But you know, it's the little details and the attention to making sure everything works exactly right. It may not be innovative. It may not be, you know, uh, uh, like a revelation in the genre, but it just works, and it's fun, and it it accomplishes what it's trying to do. And I think there's a lot of puzzle platformers that have aspirations to art. Um, there are. Thomas is Thomas was alone is one example, um, which we did for the show. That was I think our second. Oh game. yeah, and is a yeah. wonderful game. But you're right, Braid, yeah. which we'll do eventually. Um, you know, Fez even even though it's 3D has a lot of that same puzzle platformer mechanic. There's usually you know, platforming and X twist. Yeah, and then sometimes the the idea of the puzzle, the central conceit of the puzzle, is something where they're trying to be very clever. Like uh, I played uh, and and really did enjoy Tesla Grad, which you know was trying for this polarity and uh, magnetism based puzzles. Or they always have this sort of central conceit about the puzzles: the the portal gun in Portal, or the um, uh, the swapper gun in the swapper or you know, mm -hmm. puzzle games always have this sort of central conceit. This game didn't really have a single central conceit. What it had was very standard, simple, very easy to understand platforming mechanics and levels that were clever enough that made you really think about interesting ways to use those simple, easy to digest mechanics. The primary mechanic is jumping, right? <laughs> yeah, and so many platformers or puzzle platformers are trying to make the central mechanic a metaphor for human existence. <laughs> um, it's kind of comforting, even though it might not, um, you know, other than our shipping wars, I don't think we had any <laughs> deep philosophical comments on this game. But are they great, well-designed puzzles? Yes. So I'm really glad we got a chance to play this game. Uh, people can find it for just 10 damn dollars, which is a great <laughs> price. $10. You can buy this game on Steam for Mac, PC, or Linux. Uh, it was published by Double Fine, and they put a lot of marketing energy behind it. And um, so, you know, it really, there's a lot of great reviews of it out there. If you want to read more, just do a little Googling. If you're feeling cheap, Escapegoat 1 is a dollar on Xbox. Wow, really? It's only five bucks on their website, but a dollar is a great deal. So. Um, you can think of Escape Goat 1 as kind of a, uh, a demo for this because it's really the same puzzle mechanics and the same game concepts condensed down to about 30%-ish uh, of the size of the full game. And of course, you can play this game on a computer, but you can also play it on the PlayStation 4. Um, so, and that's where I played it. Awesome. Also $10 on the PlayStation Store. So you should definitely pick up this game and check it out um, if you haven't already. And I hope you have. 
hopefully we'll catch you next week on another episode of The Short Game. Uh, I've been your host, Reagan Kelly. I'm uh, at Reagan K on Twitter. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me also on Twitter, at NateSTL. And of course, you can follow our show on Twitter, at underscore short game. Uh, or of course, you can leave us feedback on our website or info at theshortgame.net if you happen to be uh, email inclined. So thanks again for listening, and hopefully we'll catch you again on another episode of The Short Game.